0: So when you when you see all of this this ugliness, the tendency is to think like people are like humans. Humanity is uh, diseased,
1: and that may may be, but it doesn't have to be judged, and it doesn't have to be like the terminal uh, conclusion of the story. Right,
0: and it doesn't have to be labeled as human nature.
1: Yeah, please no. Um
2: this is the podcast to restore your faith in humanity once giraffe heroes we now call our participants guardians of humanity courageous tireless workers for the common good may each of them inspire you to follow in their tracks and contribute your own part to a just society and a healthy environment. The music you are hearing is played by Serena Engel and Jared Rust and was recorded here in my own house. Together they formed a string bean party. When the concert was finished and the people had left, Serena, Jared and I had a talk. A talk about music, but more important, a talk about guarding humanity. For Jarrett and Serena are not only musicians who sing, play the cello, the guitar, the ukulele, the square neck resonated guitar and a diverse assortment of foot percussion, they are also life artists. Life with a V and life with an F. I am
0: that I am, this is my name forever, the name by which I am. Come dinner
2: Jared's roots are in the USA, Serena hails from Australia but the two live happily in Algau, Germany, where they run a small farm that has been in operation since 2017. The harvest, mainly fresh vegetables, is given away to anyone who comes to the farm. My very first question to them was, Serena, Jared, who are you?
1: Mm. That's a difficult question, isn't it? Hmm.
2: That's that's
0: sort of like the meaning of life. Figure out who you are. Tell me right away. (laughs) And then do it. (laughs) Well, um, oftentimes the answer just comes with something that you've been doing since you were a kid and you say your name, which is, of course, just what your parents decided to call you and what everybody else calls you. Um, which in my case would be Jared. And what about you? (laughs)
1: Uh, Yeah, people call me Serena, among other things.
0: And we're just a couple of people doing our thing. We are living in southern Germany right now. That's been since 2015. Before that... We were in Taiwan for a few years, which is where we met. And before that, I was um, born and growing up in the US. And you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was born and grew up to a certain extent in the countryside by Sydney, Australia.
0: The question of identity is always a tricky one and a big one in general i mean and it might be a thing that a lot of people maybe don't think about that much but i think we think about it a lot including down to the question of like what's your name
1: (laughs) And, and what is it that you are pronouncing yourself to be identical to And is that true?
0: (laughs) With
2: the phrase, I am, fill in the blank. And that's why, and now I'm I'm already jumping into the music that you are making and the songs that you are writing. So there was this one song about Moses. Moses asks God's name and and God doesn't want to give the name. He gives this name, I am that I am.
1: I think for me, it starts with a feeling. Like when someone asks me my name, there's something resistant within me to say i am and then this name that people call me and so that i think a lot of a lot of these feelings of resistance that that show up in certain places they draw attention to whatever it is um that that's wanting to be looked at Mm -hmm. so in this case it's that But like, just now you you asked us (laughs) to introduce ourselves and we are like,
0: uh, uh, except it's, it's even, it's definitely taken to a new level of difficulty when the question is, who are you? (laughs) It's not like, tell me about, um, what you do or where you come from or where, you yeah, know, like where, where you, you were been. born, where you, where you grew up, where you've lived. You know, it's like, who are you? That's a, that's yeah. a serious <laughs> it's just the, it's just like the question, how are you, which is used, um, always as like a, like a greeting, you know, how are you? I'm okay. I'm good. You know, Whew, someone says, how are you? To me, I'm, I'm like,
2: oh. let's have a seat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if, um, if I Google the two of you, you are Jared and Serena from the Spring Bean Party.
1: String Bean.
2: String Bean Party. But
0: yeah. Spring Bean is also
2: something spring to bean? consider. Because
1: <laughs> it is Spring now. Yeah, yeah. it is and actually, bean. you're not wrong, because the original name is in Mandarin. And it's actually the Siji which is the four-season bean. So the spring bean is one.
0: Spring is one of the four. <laughs> <Yeah. beans.
2: laughs> but the, the, uh, the fact that you uh, quote the Mandarin language uh, is already part of your identity too. Because if I Google you, one of the things that I immediately read is that you, Serena, you are from Australia and you, Jared, you're a- an American, you're from North America, but you met in Taiwan.
0: Yeah, I mean the way the the way that it played out was that uh we both were scheduled to perform with our respective bands at a music festival that was um, a yearly event in the mountains um
1: of Shinto. Which is uh it's a, a small, small city. new bamboo.
0: <laughs> a small city outside. Oh, in tai, The city's in Taiwan, but the the uh, festival is in the countryside outside of the city. And uh, the bass player in the band that I was playing with knew Serena and and made the suggestion that maybe she might want to sing a couple of songs with us. And um, and sent me her contact info so that I could ask her if she would want to do that so we arranged some things over uh messaging and um then met then like actually met the night of the um
1: the shindig
0: the yeah the the night of the event and a couple hours later we were singing on stage together D- did you immediately fall in love um
1: Do you want an honest
0: answer? I kind, <laughs> I kind of did. <laughs> I
1: think
0: you definitely did. Yeah, took her a while. <laughs> but what, it, what definitely?
1: I liked him, but I
0: was like, whoa. He's crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> what I've definitely? Be careful with this. One.
0: <laughs> what definitely immediately happened was that musically, like, we had reports. We, it just worked from the first second, like, on the stage, things were like, we did this, like improvised banter, and it was really funny. And it just happened, like, without any kind of planning. And mm. it, it worked really well. That definitely happened immediately.
2: And then the audience sensed that and immediately gave that back to you like you 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 felt like you had to continue?
0: I don't even remember what no, the was audience was all about. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, no, it definitely, once we, because soon thereafter we started, because um, that was with a bigger band, right? And, and soon thereafter we started working on like a duo repertoire. Um, and when we started performing as a duo, it was clear from the very beginning that that it worked really well and that it was received really well by by people.
1: It wasn't necessarily very comfortable but the way that we work musically as a team is more like Jared is a driver and he has a really good eye on the things that I need to be working on. And I don't like people telling me what to do. So, <laughs> it's like, it was a, a massive challenge to, to, uh, last m- myself I was that in English?
2: Allow myself to let yourself be taught.
1: Yes, totally. And, and disciplined <laughs> to a certain extent, because a lot of the time I just wasn't really interested in putting the level of focus and concentration in that it needed to get things to actually be nice
0: and actually at first she was like you know it was like surprise I play cello because that first band she was just singing in that band and she sang with with us and then she's like oh I play cello and we can maybe like do this duo thing and then she'd be like Oh but for this song, I'll actually not play cello. I'll just sing I'm like no way. <laughs> <laughs> of course you're gonna you're gonna play cello. You're gonna play cello on all the songs. Why would you ever not play?
1: Yeah, but it was interesting because like at first, you know, I didn't know how to play and sing at the same time. And so if you're playing a fretless instrument and you're singing obviously uh, singing a fretless instrument, um, you have to have an ear on both things. And if one is the bass, which is obviously a completely different register to some, some high vocal... lady's right, voice. Right. It's quite a challenge, and also rhythmically, to, to figure out how to do those things at the same time and do them that they don't sound like crap, either of them. And so Jared, I guess, believed that I could do that, even though I didn't believe that. <laughs> And kind of just very nicely pushed me to figure it out.
2: Well, he must have because on a technical level you score super high, the two of you. If you say that he disciplined you, mm-hmm. well, then somehow you let yourself be disciplined because because it's it's really amazing what you do on a technical level. You re- you do realize that.
0: I I mean we I guess I guess we just have to believe you when you say that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I think sometimes I notice that we have really improved.
2: Okay, but that is on a technical level. But there is in the music that you play, there is a very clear message coming out. Mm. I could try to describe it. It's it's something that is very close to mother nature, very close to acceptance, very close to respectful trying to be a respectful being. But I'd I rather ask you: What is this message that you are trying to give?
0: I I don't necessarily th- ever really think about it as a message trying to give. It's just like the stuff that we we're like think about or like talk about, or well. yeah, it's like the things that we think are important and and are like themes of conversation that are constantly running.
1: If and it is if- a message, we're trying to give ourselves the memo as well it's <laughs> it's also the same with the garden so it seems like everything that we do that's perceived from the outside world as like what we're putting out we're also like putting it into us like we're <laughs> you know that's where we're at with these things and what we're asking ourselves and searching for
0: but they, they, they always say the best way to learn something is to teach it Right. right.
1: <laughs> so. But I think a lot of the time when people look at what we're doing, they kind of imagine somehow that we've we've like gone through a process and are at the end of it, and then now like presenting, you know, whatever it is that we've learned or whatever.
2: And actually, it isn't.
1: Well, we're mm. right in the middle of everything, yeah. right? Yeah. Just the same as everybody else.
0: It's also like the thing. I realized at some point like in my 20s like gosh I keep having these really big profound um realizations and then I just forget <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll like remember them again like who knows like the next day or like a week later or like a year later or five like 5 years, years later, later really and be like ah i already thought of this before and i haven't been doing it or I haven't been living it this whole time so it's kind of like just like repeat 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 and then then it kind of maybe eventually starts to become not only just a intellectual idea but something that like you start to maybe feel a bit and then maybe you start to actually like act it and start to like be it and start to live it like But essentially,
1: it does feel just like remembering.
2: Right.
0: Yeah.
1: At the end and the beginning of the day. (laughs)
2: Like remember who you are. Yeah. Yeah.
1: and And what we're here to do, which I guess is like bringing a circle back to... The Guardians of Humanity question. Uh, I like the new title, by the way. Mm. It it makes a, it resonates a lot more than Giraffe Heroes, I guess, because Giraffe Heroes is is more like a conceptually interesting, and Guardians of Humanity is like totally clear. Like it's just like ah yes, of course, you know, we're Guardians of Humanity, and the humanity are essentially the guardians and custodians of the earth and that's what we're here doing and we are also allowed to remember that
2: (laughs) yes because the main theme nowadays is that uh, humanity is messing up the planet Mm. so we are are bad guardians we are not guardians, we are fucking it up
1: we're just teenagers at the moment
0: yeah I That's, mean yeah. it's it's um it's tricky because there's a super fine line because in one sense it's true that we're that we're messing a lot of things up but the, the part that of that 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 might be getting <laughs> I'm using careful language here that might be sometimes exploited into a bit of a an untruth is that we are incapable of getting it right. Like, we might be getting it wrong in a lot of ways, but it's not that we are incapable of getting it right. And
1: it's not that we're implicitly trashy cancers of the earth. Which is, I feel like, probably, if there's any message that I would like to give anyone at all in this moment, would be something that I've kind of developed a sense for and then learned a couple of things about which implies exactly the opposite of of that idea that human beings through existing can only cause piles of garbage i'm going to pull out a statistic because i can <laughs> in the middle of the 1800s the biodiversity in middle europe was at its absolute high point from the entire time before that in recorded history. So obviously the monks were katiren and writing down all the all the things that they found, and starting with the Industrial Revolution, that was the beginning of the decline of biodiversity. So all the time up until that point, from where Middle Europe was just birch, uh, not birch beech. Beach, 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 yeah, beach forest. forest. Right. Yeah. Up until the Industrial Revolution, through the way that human beings had cultivated and worked with the land, an immense level of biodiversity was created through that, co created with the human being's relationship to the land and everything on and in and around it and that's a really important thing for us to to know
2: that the messing up is so young
1: but yeah not, not only not that,
2: that the
0: messing up is young but that we actually not just can be but already in not that far ago history were actively participating and, and we, we even as europeans contributing
1: to the biodiversity like in the biggest possible way because you know beach forest that's that's one thing but then if you if you think about everything that happened since then not just through the development of the specific cultures that were cultivated but the supporting ecosystems around those cultures for example that they were and then through <clears throat> the cultivating of grasslands or or fields that any um, earth-bound birds, for example, could then live in in Middle Europe, which was not the case previously. Or it's difficult for me. I just know the German words of these things, like the the hempfink, a uh, hempfinch, or Schweibenschwanz or, you know, all of these these moths or bees or birds that did not previously exist in that place.
2: Yeah, but okay, but maybe this is a good time just to, uh, to let... The- our listeners understand why an Australian and an American who have met in Taiwan are struggling with English English (laughs) and have all these German words coming into into their place. So please tell us uh, you live in Germany now. Yes. Mm -hmm. And not only do you live in Germany, mm -hmm. but you run a farm
1: there. Yeah. Well, that's obviously the reason, because when we're thinking or talking about, the things that are specific to the place where we're doing the do, um, the language is German. So I wouldn't necessarily have ever thought of what a hemp finch would be called in English. Hmm. Because we don't call it a hemp finch. No. <laughs> we call it a <laughs> <laughs> yes,
2: yes. But when you sing, okay, there's, there's the music, there's the melody, there is the humor, of course, that you do so well but when I speak about the message in the music there is one song that you sang Serena is about your relationship to plants to to you try to explain uh what it was this to to crawl uh, with your feet uh, with your knees on the ground and struggling with plants this is Obviously about Bauern, no?
1: It's actually more like struggling with the weather. Yeah, the, the weather is a little bit like the, the wild, card. wild card in the whole equation. And if, if you're gardening or farming in any kind of way, what? Well, at least I have a very intimate feeling relationship with, with the garden. And so whatever the weather is doing, it doesn't actually matter if I'm there or if I'm inside or somewhere else. If the garden is experiencing a certain weather, then I also am experiencing that weather. So if it's hail, then it hurts. And if it's drought, (laughs) then it's really stressful. And it's it's not stressful for a minute when I think about it. I just feel kind of (laughs) the constant stress of it.
2: And have you always had had that?
1: Oh, no, not at all. Um, That definitely was something that developed itself and has been developing, and I think it will continue to evolve because I don't find that state of being to necessarily be the, the end goal. I think the end goal essentially is a compassionate state of being, instead of a sympathetic or an empathetic, or, or even a completely ignorant. You know, obviously, there are different, different ways of, <laughs> of being in a relationship to what's around you and what's before you. And I, I hope essentially to get to the point where I can, feel. What the garden is feeling, or what the plants are feeling, or the people around me without allowing it to affect my sense of center and well-being.
2: There is a documentary about you and about the music and about the farm. From from watching that documentary, I sense that uh, it's mainly Serena who is plowing and harvesting and also sowing, and and that you, Jared, mostly play music. Is that correct?
0: Well, it's definitely the case that I am not really working in the garden,
1: and that you're mostly. Doing the work on the music, but you're not mostly playing music. Except for now we've got a bit of a different thing going on.
0: Right. But I've have I've got like I guess you would say two big loves when it comes to things that I want to be doing. One of them would be, of course, with the music, whether that be arranging and composing and writing or just practising or playing or whatever. And the other one is um building stuff so like the house that we are living in um, we've done a lot of work on like a lot of transformation and um, I I definitely have not done that all by myself that's for sure because Serena's also done a lot but Serena does it in the winter um, and I might be working on the house like all year round and I love mostly
2: working with wood I just love it You have that same sensitivity with wood as Serena has with the land I think yeah, so I think
1: so and, and with, think that's also one one deciding factor if anyone can stand to live with us in the same house is whether or not they are willing to be sensitive enough with the wood to the extent that we require it the wooden things in the house
0: but yeah and it's i think for me the that like the sensitivity isn't just in like with the wood and working with the wood but in the space so like when there's, and it just so happens that my medium is the wood. So, like, when...
1: Oh, the wood is everywhere. That's the thing, though.
0: Because my medium is the wood. Right. <laughs> so, like, when when it was time to um, renovate the room that was going to become our bedroom, that process of feeling into a space and, like, the angles and the shapes and the solutions to, like... Uh, questions of doors and windows and uh, trim around the door frames and around the the ceiling and whatever like all of those feeling elements in a space is a place where i might be more sensitive than i am in other areas of my life yeah
1: but that's interesting now, just listening to you talk about that, it does feel like you do inside what I do outside. So like when we go into that water closet and, and I put my hand on, on the handle of the of the door, which is this beautiful bent stick, I feel love and gratitude just automatically. I don't have to do anything for it because it's it's coming towards me, you know? It is sort of, for me, it feels important that there be spaces where we can just absorb loveliness, mm-hmm. and have that begin or continue a positive feedback loop in us that we can have also the strength to take up the task that we're that we're here to do.
0: And that this idea actually makes me think of exactly what you brought up several minutes ago about this idea of like humanity just like messing things up and it's another observation that when we i mean this is our judgment anyways um when we look around say a modern city we think oh my gosh look at all this ugly stuff that people are making like and Serena's always asking the question when when we're driving through cities, like where are people getting their inspiration from? Like haven't they looked at nature before? <laughs> like like yeah,
1: the nature continent. is just
0: full of, of beauty and then these cities are just full of ugliness. Yeah, not just and-
1: beauty, but like beauty in an incredibly cooperative and intrinsically supportive context. Which it kind of just has it all, you know what what's not there to be inspired by like come on guys.
0: so when you when you see all of this this ugliness, the tendency is to think like people are like humans humanity is uh Christ. diseased,
1: and that may may be, but it doesn't have to be judged, and it doesn't have to be like the terminal uh conclusion of the story right
0: and it doesn't have to be labeled as human nature yeah please no that's that's the 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 one that takes it over the edge yeah like like being being sick is not the same as being yourself it's and not in, and in human nature sounds like that's what we are and like a human disease sounds like Something that can be healed.
2: But this brings me to to the songs that you write, Jared. A song like You Made It Up or the other song like the, the Optimist Blues, mm. where you say...
0: Yeah, you can call me an optimist, but that's not what I am. It's just what I choose.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> And, and also a song like You Made It Up is like, okay, you look at reality and you create it. There is also a song about authorization to authorize something. And mm. you, you said, Serena, we mean it very literally, like authorship. It's mm. also in aut- exactly. So you, you claim reality, it's mm. yours. And, but you can bend it, you can change it. And if you say it's not human nature to be mm. bad to mm. be uh,
0: the no good lonely loveless land grabbing money grubbers
2: yes <laughs> to become someone like that it's not human nature right it takes a lot of perversity to get you there yeah and a lot of bad choices right yes and and, and a
1: lot of openness to being a host of that sort of thing
2: yeah it's like the story of the two wolves inside you right, right. and Which who's gonna, gonna win yeah. the, the one the wolf that you feed obviously yeah is the one that's going to win. This is so much part of your music. It's why you are sitting here today and that I'm interviewing you as guardians of humanity and not as musicians. <laughs> because there is, uh, there is so much power in, into that message. And it's, it's, one can hear it, but one, one must search for these messages today and that's why I feel so blessed with you playing this music in my house today. Do you often hear that, that people really recognize themselves in your music like I did today?
0: We hear a lot of very positive feedback about people's experiences of, of listening to us.
1: And things moving.
0: Mm-hmm, for sure.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the short answer to your question would be yes. Yeah. I guess we believe it when people tell us these things, but at the same time, it it is, I would say, pretty much every time surprising and surprisingly nice mm. to get that kind of feedback, because, you know, we're definitely very much caught up in what's going on inside of us.
1: Yeah, and also because of the nature of our togetherness, we go around with what we're up to very much in tandem, but as a unit. So we're constantly, (laughs) all of the, the time that we spend awake are just bouncing ideas off of one another and and in sort of epic conversations that last for years, and are very much in our own world with that, with, of course, a lot of friends. Con- <laughs> but it's I guess in, in the whole picture, we're the, the constants. Constants. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah so so when when, especially because most of our performing is happening in Germany. And so we're not singing these songs in front of a native English-speaking audience. So. Or
1: an audience that necessarily has a level of fitness in English. Right. That can really follow the text. A lot of it, what the comprehension that happens is either between what we say between songs or and... Uh, the feeling that people get right. from the sound of the music.
0: And that's because we don't necessarily always have conversations with people like we do with you. For example, you who understands a lot of the of the lyrics um, and can really get into the depth of it.
1: And and is inclined to get into the depth of it. Because it, mm. there's a lot of different kinds of interest in what we're about. I think a lot of people are... They maybe even stay on the level of... Oh, they're doing something different.
0: It remains on the level of, like, feeling.
1: But isn't that perfect? Because it does feel like, especially in in Middle Europe, the feeling world, the soul world... And especially in Germany. Especially in Germany, is a little bit of a wild, mysterious landscape.
0: Neglected. People yes. are very much on the intellectual level. And it does seem like, in that case, they might be getting out of their heads for a minute
2: when they when they come and hear us play. Yeah, yeah. The, the Garden of Feelings is a very badly tended garden. Eh? Ah.
1: Mm. But it's interesting because, for me, coming and living where we live has been kind of the opposite lesson for me because I think before I pretty much just only lived in the garden of feelings and the nog wasn't really getting it and I feel like being in a place where where headspace is so so revered and cultivated it's really done a lot for my my capacity to to comprehend and articulate what's happening in my feeling landscape which has been huge for me like it's been like a a massive step up (laughs) on the developmental path.
2: You said to me, Serena, that the documentary uh, that was made about you—that is certainly a well-made movie—and that there's a lot of things that you do that are very well told in that or shown in that movie. But you said that you felt both felt that the essence of what you are doing in in the place where you live that the essence of your being there and doing what you do... doesn't really come out in a movie. Can you explain that to me?
0: Well, it's tricky because... I would hesitate to explain it to you... and I might even just instead say... that it might be the case that... despite the fact that we tend... To feel that way, it does anyways seem like the people who are seeing it are getting something...
1: That we might even be missing.
0: <laughs> they're, they're, they might be seeing it anyways. We might be looking at it and saying, ah, but somehow it's missing. but What's like,
2: missing? What's missing in your eyes? I see two young people young at heart certainly uh who are living in a place that they don't even rent it was like given to them like tent this place and from this gratitude uh you work on the land and you uh, so, you tend, you harvest the crops, and you bring other people or other people come there to live with you. And it's like a harmonious community. You give away what the land gives to you. You try not to... Earn money from it, although there is one sequence where you still go to this one person, and, and because this, this guy has a special relationship to, mm-hmm. to you, so <laughs> but, oh. but, but, that, but that's different now. Yeah, now we, don't,
1: not, we don't do that,
2: don't do no. that at all since yeah. the since beginning of last year. Yeah. So you have this, this way of cultivating the land yeah. and, and being as generous as the land is with you. Mm. And it's open doors since any kind-hearted stranger that would want to come there and work with you is welcome to come. That's the idea that I have. So what am I missing there? The music, of course, is also in the movie.
0: I think I a part of it that feels like it's missing for... Me is like the kind of conversation that we're having right now about like big questions of humanity and the nature of what it is to be human. Like, none of that is there. The
1: the film happened kind of a bit without a real plan to it. Patty would just show up whenever and have his camera, and we'd be doing something, and then he'd be like, What are you doing? And I'd be like, We're doing me, 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 you know? And so it, I, I was also kind of hoping for there not to be so much talking in it, but to be more powerful, like what what can speak for itself, really. And then I find myself in the film just kind of blabbing about a bunch of stuff that I don't really find important. But then I feel like if I'm if I'm saying words, I'd like to be saying something that really has a deep and powerful significance in relation to the questions that I'm walking around with all day every
0: day right so the whatever whatever is being spoken should be on this level or like this conversation that we're having right now but instead there's like a lot of a lot Chat. of spoken Chit-chat. word that's about like oh like this is like a, a 25 kilo sack of
2: Of rolled oats. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we just saw that. (laughs) So it's in documentaries. It's show, don't tell. Right. And so, so that's why you say it would have been stronger if it was just shown Mm -hmm. and you didn't have to say it.
1: Mm. Right. But But I think also the oats are also not important. (laughs) I guess for for us, us. but maybe somebody finds it fascinating the concept that. The things that you don't grow, you can just buy them in, like, a bulk sack and then, (laughs) you know, just have a lot of them instead of a bunch of little packets. Like, for us, you know, that's just... It's not something that we even think twice about, but maybe it is interesting for someone? I don't know.
0: (laughs) It's just the really big, like, questions that we carry around and the themes that that we... Uh, are always like just digging deeper and deeper and deeper and into like
1: into.
0: none of that really comes up
1: maybe, and maybe it's in of it,
0: yeah and and there and some of it or or all of it maybe is implied within like what we're doing
1: and also certain things that we say but i feel like something that was interesting about patty being the one to make the film is because he's coming from a kind of perspective of like your your average Kislega, for example.
0: Kislega is the town where we live.
1: Where he... Patty's and also he, from and there. And he mm. lives there as well. And so the, everything that made it into the film, even though we might have said 20 hours of other things, were all things that resonated with him because otherwise they wouldn't if they didn't make sense to him then they're not coming in the film. And so on one hand that is then also a really valuable thing because it does make it more of a universal thing. So it, mm-hmm. it is comprehensible then maybe to more people. But I guess you know if I were just a spectator in this I would I would want to see or hear more
2: existential
1: things
0: yeah plus there's the fact that you know you you just mentioned like uh as you were describing the film about like how we were like selling to um these couple of restaurants and the fact that that's no longer the case makes us feel like, ah, it's not even current anymore, mm-hmm. yes, you know? Yes. Like, it really that's, changed that's immediately afterwards. Yeah, and that was, like, a thing where in the film we're constantly saying, yeah, we're selling um, a little bit to these couple of restaurants. We really would rather not be doing that. And it's like, oh, actually, now we're not. But in the film we still are, and that's what people are yeah. seeing. So. But
2: that's what Serena said. It's, it's not the result. It's constantly a process. Yeah. yeah. And we, we look at things as results, but it's never... it's always in the making of yeah
1: it's also an interesting thing to come back to the question of identity and how one identifies when such a film is made about you I guess it does tend to paint a certain kind of picture on one hand there is a level of intimacy of experience that one gets watching the thing and kind of a whole idea <laughs> essentially is built out of that in relation to who we are and what we do and what we think and what we feel and what our relationship is like and all of those things and very often it feels like 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 there are many aspects <laughs> to to my identity if I dare go there it's as if they don't exist, and that's a bit hard for me to to swallow sometimes. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Are you
0: religious people? I was raised in an environment that was Protestant, um, mm-hmm. and then I did the completely reject it thing for a minute, um, and. Then I spent years doing like a slow reconciliation, um, all the while basically looking into everything else that there is um, and what what everyone else has to say about gods and mm-hmm. and morals and whatever.
2: My question was mainly, do you have a daily practice? Something that you do every day that brings you closer to this cosmic vibration?
0: Mm. Practice, yes, a practice. Um,
1: We're a bit out of practice at the moment, actually.
0: Well, what practice are you referring to? Because the practice that I'm thinking of... Um, and I love the word practice. <laughs> in in this case, I do. When I refer to music, I don't really refer to practice. I Just play. I talk <laughs> about playing. Yeah. Um, but in this case, practice, because it's... Um, let me put it this way. I would refer to it as a unstructured practice. So it's not like from this time until this time I do, like, I sit in this position and do this breathing and say this mantra and focus on, like, this visualization or whatever. Um, For me, it's the practice of, and this brings us back to the being raised in in a Christian environment, that reconciliation process brought me to the point where I realized, actually, um, I love Christ, and actually, I do see now that Christ is within me, and and the practice is then um, building the relationship with Christ within me, and and. Mm-hmm working on practicing a real communication. So, listening for the quiet whispers that are within me, um, practicing recognizing which quiet whispers are coming from where, and which loud screaming in from within um is coming from where else and um and working on practicing always remembering and recognizing and honoring that presence and and then really the goal would be unifying with that presence
2: mm-hmm.
1: I think I might have gone through a similar process, but in a very different way. Because even though my parents, while growing up, and still now they're very much on, on the path in their own way, they never really had anything specific for my brother and I as far as religion was concerned. And it was more like what they really focused on Allowing us to cultivate was a love and reverence for divine being on earth. I guess that's how I would call it now. But it wasn't something that really went over language so much as just a way of being. And then I went through a, a phase of rebellion and rejection... For all things nice, maybe. <laughs> um, and had a bit of a wild time, which was great, uh, for what it was. And I guess in my practice, similar to Jared, but with different language, it is any, any time where I, where I have space for it. So it ends up being at least once if not several times a day where I go into the, the most tender space of feeling that I can arrive in and just be in that space and, f- and cultivate then this, this tenderness of feeling to whatever it is that's around me and and fill myself with the love and and the gratitude of being that might make it difficult if i was constantly in that state to even just you know move my body forwards or backwards or <laughs> do anything in particular but for the moments where i allow it to take over it if feels like maybe the the most real part of my day
0: all i really need is a song in my heart food in my belly love in my family all i really need is a song in my heart Love in my family.
2: This was our first podcast, the podcast to restore your faith in humanity. With you were Jared Rust and Serena Engel of The String Bean Party. They composed all the songs you heard in this podcast, except the song All I Really Need, which is from the Canadian singer-songwriter Rafi. Don't miss our second podcast, which will be with Isabelle and Frederic from Geneva. And together we will talk about how it is to be a parent of a kid coping with transgender issues. We hope you have enjoyed the first episode of our podcast. Join us again soon for more inspirational talks.